Hi, friends. Just wanted to preface all of this with a content warning for a discussion that includes mentions of death by suicide, eating disorders, sexual abuse, and child neglect. Please know that today's episode is a pretty dark story, and we wanted to give you a heads up before diving in. So, Ellie, snitchery, Eleanor, bestest friend in the whole wide world, my shining light in a world filled with darkness. Oh my God. I've been thinking a lot lately about urban legends that are so popular that you can bring them up to anybody and they either think that they're true or at least know about the legend. I do know what you're talking about. Obviously, the basis of our show is urban legends. One of my favorite, or I guess least favorite, is the myth that if you throw rice at a wedding, you know how you see like people throw rice, that a bird will explode. I am bird phobic by nature, a little bit less than I used to be, but still absolutely afraid of the prospect. It used to scare me so much as a kid. One time I saw a bird eating rice and I thought I was about to see a tragedy, a trauma unfold in front of my eyes. I braced myself for the explosion. Shockingly, it flew away, but somehow that did not diffuse my bird phobia even a little bit. I've never even heard of that urban legend, but that is wild and would terrify me as well. Specifically, I was thinking more about the idea that if you played the movie Wizard of Oz and Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon at the same time, somehow it syncs up perfectly. Do you ever heard of that? Because it's weird. I feel like we talked about that when we talked about the Pink Floyd ARG. Have you actually ever tried it? Have you ever tried to play it? Okay, I haven't either. I feel like the entire episode, we were like, sorry, Pink Floyd fans, we love them, but also have never touched a Pink Floyd record with my hot little fists. It's so weird how well the two do work together, though. I thought when we recorded that episode that it was just a total coincidence. Pink Floyd has gone on record like countless times saying just that, but the legend has persisted for decades anyway, to the point that if you Google Dark Side of the Rainbow, which is what fans call the sync up between the two, you'll find thousands of results. But another thing you'll find, and this is what I really want to talk about today, is the Wizard of Oz curse. Loie, say no more. We both love this movie. We're going to be talking about everything from poisonous makeup to an actor potentially hanging himself and all the general craziness associated with the movie. All right, Elle, are you ready to head over the rainbow and talk about a maybe, possibly, kind of, definitely cursed movie? Definitely, definitely cursed. You know what they say. If bluebirds can fly beyond the rainbow, then why can't we talk about the countless urban legends surrounding a film made before World War II? I've definitely heard that saying before. Welcome to Internet Urban Legends, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Loey, your friendly neighborhood true believer. I played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz when I was in the, like middle school. That is adorable. You kind of give me Dorothy vibes, <laughs> actually. You're so cute. I am Eleanor, stubborn skeptic, bestie, film school dropout, film school major dropout. <laughs> I'm excited for this one. I like when we talk about movies. Listen, all I hear is film school. That's all I hear. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Together, we are the gruesome twosome and this is internet urban legends where we dive deep into the darkest corners of the internet we might find the answers we're looking for we might scare ourselves into staying up all night watching our favorite movies one thing is for sure we're glad to have you guys along for the slumber party this one is going to be surprisingly dark 
consider we're talking about yeah. like such a fun topic and such yeah. a beloved movie. Do you like The Wizard of Oz? Are you like a fan of the movie? Yes. It's like my favorite genre. I don't know. Maybe you have a word for it. But all types of movies that are like really heavy into fantasy world building Ooh, mm-hmm. like that or like Labyrinth or even like. I don't know, like the Studio Ghibli movies. Anytime there's like a fantasy world that's crafted, I'm on board. Well, I regret to inform you, I've never seen Labyrinth. We're going to change that. Yeah, I feel like that's <laughs> the plan after we Me record and the this Goblin today. Gang are going to change that. <laughs> it feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. I feel like most of you at home have heard of the Wizard of Oz curse in some capacity. Whether you know about the string of bad luck that occurred on set, or you just know the very popular rumor of someone who plays a munchkin supposedly taking their own life that you can see in the background of one of the scenes, everyone knows a little something about today's topic. At least I hope so. Somehow I think will blow your mind, no matter what you know. It is a deep, deep rabbit hole and I'm ready. I'm ready to jump in. I'm so excited. I was going to say tap the ruby slippers, but I think that's how you go home, right? We're off to a sinister land today. We're we're getting swept up by the tornado, baby. That's right. We are not in (laughs) Kansas anymore. For those of you out there who don't know, talking to you, Gen Z, The Wizard of Oz is an American musical produced by the movie company MGM in 1939, starring Judy Garland as a young girl named Dorothy. Dorothy is whisked away by a tornado in her home of Kansas to a magical land called Oz. The film is famous for its use of a bright technicolor at a time when most movies were in black and white, as well as its music and memorable characters, including the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, the Cowardly Lion, Toto the Dog. I had a Karen Terrier growing up. That's Aww. the kind of dog that Toto is. And every time that people are like, what's a Karen Terrier? I would always tell him it's like Toto. Also, there are tons of people called munchkins that live in Oz as well. You would probably recognize a lot of the faces if you were to see them today. The Wizard of Oz was successful when it first came out in 1939, and it even scored six Academy Award nominations. But it wasn't until 1956 when CBS broadcast the film on TV that it became a smash hit. According to the U.S. Library of Congress, it is the most seen film in movie history. So maybe I should have insulted Gen Z. (laughs) Maybe not. Okay, you are a Wizard of Oz super fan. Yes. Who is your favorite Wizard of Oz character slash your favorite song? I don't know which one's more important if you're like a true Wizard of Oz fan. Weirdly, my life is so interconnected with the Wizard of Oz. Like I literally just said we had a dog because I was obsessed with Toto Mm -hmm. named Shulky. I also sang Over the Rainbow, like somewhere over the rainbow in jazz band with the original like intro that got cut from the movie. So that's definitely my favorite song. Cute. Oh my gosh. Wait, if I, I won't put you on the spot and I'm honestly going to save it for me because it's a little treat that I deserve, but I demand a rendition, a modern day rendition. Anything for you. Anything for you. Just absolutely serenading you. What's your favorite song? Oh my gosh. I I feel like you'd be a follow the yellow brick road. (laughs) 
I was like, is that like the basic <laughs> bitch answer for Wizard of Oz? But I do love that song. I also am a big fan of the Cowardly Lion. Yeah. He's probably he's my favorite character. I love him. Who's your favorite character? I feel like it is the Wicked Witch, but that's like mm. entirely influenced by spinoffs and other Wizard of Oz media and also her character design, which I adore. Listen, we're going to be learning some stuff about the Wicked Witch of the West in this episode. So mayhaps your favoritism of her will be solidified after you hear what the actress went through in order to play her. By all accounts, this movie shoot was a really painful one. This gets into some really dark stuff. Like, I had no idea that the movie set of The Wizard of Oz, granted, would have been in the 1930s. So things clearly are not quite what they are now. You know, the Hollywood industry was not getting started, but, you know, Mm -hmm. like, was not as established as today. But this was dark. It was none other, though, than Judy Garland herself that had some of the worst stories from behind the scenes. Writer Gerald Clark had access to an incomplete autobiography that Judy was writing when she died that shared many terrible stories from her early years, including one during the making of The Wizard of Oz. To quote here, one executive, Judy did not identify him, summoned her to his office, as he had summoned so many other more glamorous Metro stars. With no pretense of small talk, he demanded that she have sex with him. Yes or no, right now. That was his style, Judy recalled. When she refused, he began screaming. Listen, you, before you go, I want to tell you something. I'll ruin you and I can do it. I'll break you if it's the last thing I do. She was a child on the set of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it certainly dims the rainbow a little Uh bit, doesn't it? The Technicolor is looking a little less colorful when you realize Mm. the context of what was going on behind the scenes of this movie. At another time, when talking about how her mom pressured her into doing the film in the first place, Judy called her mom Ethel, the real Wicked Witch of the West. And that might be because Ethel was the first to give pills, both for energy and sleep, to Judy before she was even 10 years old. We'll get to that later. At the time that we're recording this, Jeanette McCurdy's book came Mm -hmm. out somewhat recently, uh, which is called I'm Glad My Mom Died. And I haven't read it all the way through yet, but you have. And I feel like there are so many parallels between Mm -hmm. literally what Judy is saying that happened like a hundred years ago, essentially. Now, that's crazy that's to crazy. think about. crazy. Oh, my God. Ugh, I can't think about it too much. But, like, it's insane that it hasn't changed. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the stage mom is such a stereotype, but seemingly it's a stereotype for a reason. That book is amazing. I read it in one sitting on a plane. Mm. Could not put it down. Really excited to listen to the audiobook as well. Over the years, though, rumors and urban legends have spread that The Wizard of Oz is a cursed movie, the perfect kind of topic for online debate. We've gone over a few cursed productions before, such as The Exorcist and Demon House, but this one is really wild. Plus, there's a lot of truth to why people think this movie is cursed. There were so many serious accidents on set that almost cost several cast members their lives. You know, going into this, when we first started talking about the topic, I was like, it's going to be hard to convince me. Mm-hmm. I feel like typically with curses, I'm like, well, this could be a series of events. This is crazy, the number of misfortunes that happened on the set and surrounding the movie. What if we're cursed because we're talking about the curse of the Wizard of Oz? I refute that energy. Okay. Salt ring us immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Digital salt ring. <laughs> no bestie. No bestie. Don't invite that in. But it does seem like this movie had an air of serious misfortune mm-hmm. surrounding the set. For example, there's my girl, the Wicked Witch of the West, played by actress Margaret Hamilton. This woman, this poor woman, 
literally went through it. This poor woman is going to be something that is seemingly repeated throughout this script. Margaret Hamilton is such a queen, too. Yes. I love her so much. And it's like she went through hell and back literally. to play this role. Literally. For example, she got third degree burns. Oh, my God. When a special effect malfunctioned during a scene where she disappeared into a puff of smoke. You guys probably remember that from a movie. She, at the time, was covered head-to-toe in oil-based green body paint that caught fire. Oh, my God. My literal nightmare. I have covered myself in body paint before yeah. as a cosplayer and felt as if I was suffocating just having that on. This sounds absolutely horrifying. So tragic. Understandably, Margaret, immediately after, refused to do another smoke-related stunt of course. Understandably. So her stunt double, Betty Danko, was covered in the same type of body paint and also got injured by a fire when the prop they used as a broomstick exploded. So Betty also then spent 11 days in the hospital and her legs were permanently scarred. What was going on? As we keep going in this episode, like just such a complete lack of concern for people's well-being, mm -hmm. let alone lives exactly. on the set. It's insane. It's not like a spooky, scary, teehee ghost, right? It's just no. literally like a lack of compassion. It's like for really these bad actors. people. Yeah, it's insane. So there's another scene, if we're gonna continue down the Yellow Brick Road of Curses, where Dorothy, Toto, and the Cowardly Lion fall asleep in a poppy field. Do you guys remember this from the movie? They get woken up by snow. It's gently falling. It's a cute scene. I remember the scene from the movie. This fact shocked me like no other thing that we talked about in regards to The Wizard of Oz. The snow that they used in that scene was asbestos. Mm. Like, I can't put into words how utterly shocking that was to read for the first time because like, not only was it used in this movie, it was used in Hollywood for years before this was eventually like, I don't know if outlawed is the right word, but like it was removed from standard practice. Yeah. Like, don't quote me on this, but somebody, when we were talking about this with someone, they said it was like standard practice for like 70 years before they realized that asbestos is really dangerous. Exactly. I mean, if you guys don't know what asbestos is, it's like a freaking hyper poison and fibers were used as snow in movies before people realized after like, the 50s, that it was super poisonous and really harmful to your health. So much of the idea of this film being cursed focuses on tragedies that happened to cast members, including actor Clara Blandick, who played Auntie M, and she died by suicide many years later. Or Frank Morgan, the Wizard of Oz himself, being injured in a car accident a few months after the film's release. But there are a few big parts of the curse to focus on. First up, we mentioned how flammable the makeup was. I never really <laughs> think about makeup being flammable, but it's something that I don't know if it's going to leave my mind now. I think about hair products. Because oh, God, I think yeah. I've told you this absolute horror story. The one time I was in Los Angeles and was next to one of those outdoor heaters and my head started to smoke because <laughs> I had so much hairspray in my hair to go out at night. And I was only aware of this because the guy I was talking to told me absolutely mortifying moment of my adult life. <laughs> that has to go in the autobiography. Oh my gosh. Yeah, my memoir will never reach the ascendant heights of Jeanette McCurdy, <laughs> but maybe one day I will try. But there's also a story that the makeup was also literally poisonous and almost killed two cast members. That is outside 
of it nearly killing Margaret Hamilton and her body double I by literally know. catching them on fire. Like, that's outside of that. So, like, four people. Oh, my God, at least. Again, I ask, what was going on? There's so much to talk about with this movie that we have to just get through everything, not casually, but quickly. Quickly, And it's like every single note of this is insanity. In the film, an actor named Jack Haley plays the Tin Man. But before him, an actor named Buddy Ebsen was cast in the role. Buddy would later become famous for playing Jed Clampett on the Beverly Hillbillies phenomenal Beverly Hillbillies me same <laughs> my mom references that show I think I've never seen it <laughs> yeah, it's just I am the Beverly it. Hillbilly the singular <laughs> despite Buddy's later success legend has it he lost out on becoming famous much sooner because he was poisoned by the makeup on the set of the Wizard of Oz which was made of pure aluminum dust what A few days into shooting, Buddy started experiencing a shortness of breath that never got better. Eventually, it turned into a pain that made him wake up in bed at night screaming. Yo, this place is a hazard zone. Uh Uh-huh. This is literally Uh like a hellscape on Earth. And then nine days after filming started, he was hospitalized where it was discovered that the makeup had literally poisoned him and like done him in. And then they just changed actors. They were like, goodbye. Oh my God. On to another. <laughs> oh my God. Let's fill him with aluminum. Is the time an excuse? When was this? 1939? That's when this film was released? Like, did they know anything? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not making excuses for these people. Certainly they had to have known. The hospital knew. So yes, they knew, right? They shouldn't have been crushing up aluminum and rubbing surely, it on people's bodies. Surely, Jesus Christ. Like, you would think that they would, like, I don't know, get a violation, get shut down on set, like anything. But no, it just no, keeps no, going. No, Judy Garland is trapped. Like the aluminum wasn't enough. There's another story that goes back to Margaret Hamilton. Remember, the Wicked Witch of the West, who got burnt yet again by her makeup, this time from copper-based makeup. And the makeup artist had to rush to remove her makeup so that it wouldn't seep through her wounds. Remember how she got burned? Now she's wearing copper makeup and they're like, we gotta get this off of you because it's gonna get into your bloodstream and turn toxic. Like, what was the justification for using these precious metals as the base for their makeup? Was it just like exceptionally cheaper? Was it the standard of the time? I'm so curious if like the Wizard of Oz was unique in their mistreatment of these actors or if like the asbestos, it was literally just, if you wanted to be metallic, like here's some powdered aluminum. If I had to guess at the rate that we're into the episode right now, I feel like it's a mixture of the two. But by the end of this, I think everyone will lean more towards just sheer like incompetence, you know, on the side of the Wizard of Oz specifically. As a bit of a side note here, I'm like a fan of Margaret Hamilton. I think that she did incredible work playing one of the film industry's most iconic villains of all time. And on top of that, number one, she was just so great at her role, was so professional going through everything that she went through, was very talented, just like a cool person. And one of my favorite, I guess, like bits of trivia about her is that she's like the sweetest person on earth. Like she plays the Wicked Witch of the West and she's just like the kindest, loveliest, like one of the nicest people on earth. And it was actually why she decided to reprise her role of Wicked Witch of the West on Sesame Street in 1976. One of my favorite childhood shows. Somehow, even a Sesame Street episode has a bit of curse to it because this episode that Margaret Hamilton was in as the Wicked Witch of the West only aired 
once due to parents writing in saying that the episode terrified their kids, leading the episode to be banned outright. A piece of banned television. This is also so shocking and so sad. Now she comes out of witchy hiding and is like literally one second in the sun. She deserves a millennium. It was considered lost media and was a huge deal in the lost media community for years and, I mean, actually decades, until very recently when it was unearthed again. I watched my friend Blame It on Jorge's video about it, and it was fascinating. Wait, it's been released? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love. Okay, this is everything. Ironically, the episode was meant to teach kids about how to overcome fear, with a basic plot about the Wicked Witch of the West searching for her lost flying broomstick. But because of parents freaking out over the episode, they never ran it again. Poor Margaret, she can't catch a break. That's literally terrible. I feel like somebody should apologize on behalf of literally every evil Children being. everywhere. Yeah, true. Everyone everywhere, honestly, honestly. That's true. It is the parents. It is the parents on behalf of the Karens. Sorry, Margaret. So long story short, I feel like to wrap up, mm-hmm. we have some bad luck in all directions and we have a lot of Hollywood mistreatment. Okay, as far as the set goes. But if you guys are listening, you might be like, that doesn't prove that the set itself is cursed, right? Like, as we were saying with Jeanette McCurdy's book, Mm -hmm. Hollywood doesn't have the best reputation for being kind and compassionate and caring or even safe or ethical towards their actors. So it's not like this story is a needle in a haystack, right? However, it's the next few stories that I think really lend credibility to the theory that the production might have been a little bit cursed. There are rumors of suicide, of just drunken debauchery, of abuse, and so much more that has plagued this production for decades. And you might be surprised to find out that most of it, if not all of it, is a little bit true. Absolutely insane. Although we've talked about asbestos, so maybe maybe, maybe nobody's surprised. <laughs> Up next, we'll be talking about all the infamous stories surrounding the Munchkin actors from The Wizard of Oz, as well as the real-life tragedy of Judy Garland. The floorboards creak. The walls, they moan. The house seems vacant, but you're not alone. This October, Parcast invites you to celebrate the spookiness of the Halloween season with all new episodes of Haunted Places. From an infamous murder farm in Indiana to the ghostly tombs and palaces of ancient Egypt, visit the world's most haunted destinations and find out what happens when a soul leaves the body but doesn't leave the grounds. Enjoy new episodes of Haunted Places all month long, free, and only on Spotify. Let's get into the infamous suicide myth, which I know, a heavy topic to start off with. But if you Google the Wizard of Oz curse, this is the most popular story that you'll find listed. And it's talked about everywhere, even today. Legend has it that one of the actors that played a munchkin hanged himself during filming. There's a scene where the Scarecrow and Dorothy encounter malevolent trees that throw apples at them before they discover the Tin Man. Afterwards, they merrily dance their way along the yellow brick road. But in the background, among the trees in the distance, there's a strange bit of movement near the center of the screen. 
And sometime in the late 20th century, a story emerged that the movement that you see is an actor who played a munchkin who died by suicide. As the story goes, a male munchkin actor had fallen in love with a female munchkin actor on the set, but was driven to despair when she did not love him back. And that was when he did what he did. Thankfully, despite the story's popularity, it is absolutely faked. It is debunked. This Blessings. this did not happen. First of all, that scene was filmed at a time when the actors who portrayed the munchkins were not even on set. And even though you can Google the allegedly quote unquote real versions of the scene, these are all fake. They're mm -hmm. doctored made up because of the mystery. The truth is, and you can really see this on a big screen, the movement you see in the background there is in fact just a bird. In order to make the set feel like a more outdoorsy space, I thought this was really interesting. A bunch of birds were actually borrowed from the LA Zoo and they just roamed the set. I could not be there. I would have to quit day one. You're a nightmare. Truly. But I suppose it not only added to the mystery of this film, but also the ambiance. Next time I watch it, I want to watch for the birds. <laughs> so yeah, the movement you see is actually just a large bird spreading its wings, thankfully. Second of all, playing devil's advocate here, it's common knowledge that in old Hollywood, people existed that were known as quote unquote fixers, whose entire job was to keep movie star controversies out of the press at all costs. So we're saying like, who says it's a bird? Right? Like, who really says it's a bird? I guess that's what people could argue. You could argue that this is an example of a controversy covered up by those fixers. But if that's the case, then why is literally every other terrible, horrible, mm -hmm. tragic misfortune that we're discussing today talked about and discussed from all other angles not covered up? This would be a weird one to yeah. leave out. And it is kind of giving creepypasta. Not going to lie. Right? 100%. It actually would make no sense. And I think that this one is so disprovable because we're talking about actual like neglect that happened on set. Exactly. Like things that people should be charged for. And then the one thing that's covered up is somebody who took their own life. Like Precisely. I don't, you know, I don't think that there's any merit. We also have the unfinished, granted unfinished autobiography from Judy Garland or like her memoir, I suppose. And like, wouldn't that be one of the first things you yeah. mentioned if you were trying to make a case for the mistreatment on set that like something that tragic had happened? There's just thankfully no merit to this one. I think that story might have come from some of the other rumors surrounding the Munchkin actors on set. According to legendary Hollywood gossip, the Munchkin actors partied like rock stars. I they love it. They were party I love animals, it. baby. Night after night, it's said that the Munchkin actors got drunk and tore it up in the Culver Hotel. Oh my god! I love it. Her stomping grounds. I know. I was like, wow, what a familiar space. I was thinking about the <laughs> drinks we've had in that very hotel. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, man. Wow. Man. Little did we know we were just <laughs> traipsing amongst history. Where royalty once stood. <laughs> One actor even allegedly came on set armed with two loaded pistols to oh, wow. threaten a fellow Munchkin actor for hitting on his wife. Okay, maybe. That escalated quite quickly. Seriously, <laughs> I could not have stated that better. Still historical, though. Unlike the suicide myth, a lot of this legend comes from what people associated with the production have said over the years. Producer Mervyn Leroy said that the Munchkin actors had parties in the hotel, and we had to have police on just about every floor. Bert Lahr, who played the cowardly lion, is quoted as saying that the Munchkin actors, quote-unquote, made their living by panhandling, pimping, and whoring. Oh. My. God. What? 
panhandling, pimping, and I'm whoring. sorry. Not so cowardly now. What? Literally? What? That's Bold an absurd statement. statement. That's an absurd statement. Judy Garland herself called the Munchkin actors drunks that got so smashed every night, the police had to pick them up. And even worse, Judy Garland's ex-husband, Sid Luft, later claimed that Judy was the victim of sexual harassment from some of the Munchkin actors who would just, like, put their hands under her dress. Oh, my God. A child. Again, what was going on on the set? It's interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, interesting maybe isn't the right word, but because unlike some of the other stories we've covered on the podcast, it's not really clear how true a lot of this is. Like we have accounts from Judy Garland about some of the mistreatment she's had on set, et cetera, et cetera. This one is a little bit murkier. I think some of it is true and everybody agrees that some of it is true. So, screenwriter Noel Langley said most of the rumors were not true, but he did say that the actors who portrayed the Munchkins were, quote, very raunchy people. So, like, we have lots of people Uh um, weighing in on a certain portion of this cast. And the actors who portrayed the Munchkins, they completely deny it all. They said that, in fact, work on the film was grueling. There were days that sometimes led to them acting for 12 hours straight. They claim that that means that there wasn't even any time for bad behavior because everybody would have been so exhausted. So again, this one is a little bit more confusing, a little bit more of a he said, she said type of situation. Actor Jerry Marin, who portrayed a munchkin in the film, points out that the actors were in fact only paid $50 per week. Oh my God. Oh my God, exactly. And he asked, how could you even get drunk on $50 a week? Okay, fair point, sir. However, I argue that if I was only being paid $50 a week, I would not care about my job at all. Wait, hold on. $50 in 1939 has the purchasing power of about $1,065 today. (gasps) Jerry. You would certainly get drunk on a thousand bucks. Jerry, what are you complaining about, Jerry? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, okay. I don't know if that's considered a fair acting wage. I'm uneducated. I mean, I am too. I'm sure it's definitely not. It's not what they should have been making for for 12 hour days. I'm positive of that, you know, but that's still $50. It certainly sounded different in my stupid modern head. Jerry says that a few of the Munchkin actors were a little wild, okay? He admits it, but that the rumors surrounding them were wildly exaggerated. He says, quote, There were a couple of kids from Germany who liked to drink beer. They drank beer morning, noon, and night, and they got in a little trouble. They wanted to meet the girls, but they were the only ones getting drunk and raising Mm. a ruckus. So Jerry claims it's just like a very small subset of this group of actors, which honestly, to me, seems like it makes more sense. Very feasible, (laughs) right? Why? Like, that doesn't make any sense that it would just be like every actor who portrayed a munchkin is just out here, like, living it up. They did not create a gang after, like, they all got the role of becoming munchkins. They didn't all get together and be like, and now we will cause evil. Like, right, right. The only real evidence of misbehavior, in fact, is a 1938 memo from production manager Keith Weeks about firing two particularly rowdy Munchkin actors. Mm -hmm. One of them was a man named Charlie Kelly, who had physically assaulted his wife. And there was another actor who had, quote, tried to knife an assistant named Mr. Torelli. Okay, so there were a few bad apples in the bunch. 
it's just crazy because we will talk about some of the most heinous, like insane stuff. Like we literally talked about potentially one of the Munchkin actors harassing Judy Garland. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how can it get worse? And it's like, oh, they just tried to knife somebody. Right. And it's like, it is totally feasible that it could have, should have, not should have, certainly was just a couple of them. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. But yeah, that's the reputation that seemingly follows lots of the Munchkin actors from the film. I guess the safest verdict that we could take away from this is that the rumor may have some substance to it, but also is probably just really exaggerated, question mark, in terms of it wasn't everyone who played a munchkin that was getting into this kind of trouble. I'm sure most of them were quite normal. And then there were a few bad apples out of the bunch, as there are on every movie set. Exactly. And we talk all the time about like the internet and how the internet exaggerates things Mm -hmm. and how urban legends snowball and snowball. I think this is probably an example of that. This leads us to the most tragic legend from the Wizard of Oz production. Did this film lead to the death of Judy Garland? And this is hard to say, but buckle in. Rumor has it that to stay in shape, Judy Garland, who was only 16 at the time, was put on a diet by MGM that included starving herself with black coffee, 80 cigarettes a day, and doing countless drugs. Because of this diet, it's said that Judy Garland was sent down a path of addiction that lasted until the very day that she died. This is a tricky question and a tricky story, because if the question is whether or not MGM did that, put her on that crazy diet, the answer is a firm, resounding yes, 100%. They just did do that. Not so tricky. TBH. (laughs) (laughs) The head of MGM at the time was a man named Louis B. Mayer. He personally saw to it that Judy Garland was forced to take a combination of upper and downer pills, adrenaline injections, up to 80 cigarettes a day, and a single real meal of chicken soup. Louis even had his people spy on Judy to make sure that she was doing as she was told to keep her girlish figure. Unspeakably horrendous. I threw up my mouth. cigarettes a day? I threw up. Oh my God. Poor baby. Like at 16, it's unfathomable. And nobody's taking care of this literal child. Her mom is like actively giving her pills. The studio that she's with is like, let's drug the child. She's 16, dude. 16 and starving herself on this movie set where she's vastly overworked, getting sexually harassed by multiple people. Like, poor Judy Garland. And it's crazy that it is just like, it's a story told again and again. It's nuts. Like you said, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Yep. In the year leading up to The Wizard of Oz, studio managers were sending each other memos talking about Judy's food intake. It's a truly sick story, but unfortunately it's true. And the tragic part is that the horrible mistreatment of Judy Garland predates The Wizard of Oz. So sad. Judy Garland, unfortunately, was pushed at a super young age by her mother, Ethel, to perform. And by the time she was two years old, she was already performing alongside her sisters. She appeared in her first film in 1936 when she was just 14. And even early on, Louis B. Mayer was worried about Judy gaining any extra weight, calling her and like warning for this. It's really gross and absurd to call anyone anything like this, but especially a 14 year old, a quote, fat little pig with pigtails. Horrifying. He shortly after put her on the studio diet of chicken soup and black coffee and the cigarettes and a number of pills, drugs to reduce her weight. I have an idea. Okay. Let's perform necromancy, dig his body up and kill him again. <laughs> like what a horrible person. What a despicable Disgusting. specimen. It's actually truly hard to talk about. 
Unfortunately, a lot of this predates The Wizard of Oz. It's not that The Wizard of Oz necessarily like cursed Judy Garland. Her family and Hollywood and these execs and these studios and the culture surrounding movies at the time really already did that for her. Unfortunately, seemingly for her and a lot of actresses around this time, their fates were almost sealed. To say, I think that like, the Wizard of Oz curse, Judy Garland, or like Judy Garland's death was the result of the Wizard of Oz curse, I think is really simplifying a more nuanced and complicated and like truly sad problem that ultimately contributed to her death 30 years after the film. Yeah. Seems like such a textbook example of just industry cruelty. To kind of piggyback off of that, looking at everything from The Wizard of Oz, everything from poisonous makeup to the terrible mistreatment of Judy Garland to the terrible mistreatment of seemingly everyone else on set, poisoning people, setting people on fire, just no empathy or you know anything like that. Do we think that this is a cursed movie set or is this all just human error? You know, interestingly, I think we've talked about a couple different like movie shows, even mm-hmm. just personally, that really feel cursed where things happen that are unexplainable. Even like The Exorcist, there are mm-hmm. examples there of like unsafe, you know, filming practices, but there are also things that you can't really explain. Almost everything we talked about today really does just seem like nobody on set caring for these actors. Nothing was even like correct me if I'm wrong, but like spooky or mysterious. It was just sad and scary, right? What do you think? Do you think it was cursed? You know, it's funny. I'm walking away from this as, you know, our firm neighborhood true believer all the time. It makes me mad. I'm too angry to think that like, you know, this is all a result of some crazy curse someone got by selling their soul to the devil or something like that. Like Mm -hmm. this is all human error. This is all exploitation of the people who ended up in this film. And it's really sad to me that like history really did repeat itself. We keep talking about Jeanette McCurdy, but the parallels are just insane. Mm -hmm. Like the parallels between her and Judy's story. And to think that we have that in so many other untold stories of Hollywood that people probably will not tell for many decades or may never just makes me sad. It does. I mean, not to spoil the book for you, but it's great that our girl Jeanette is in a better place. Kind of broke the cycle a little bit Mm -hmm. there. So that's good to see. And hopefully that happens more. I am really curious and I would love to know, knowing all that you know, does this ruin The Wizard of Oz any for you? Because you said this is one of your favorite movies. How are you (laughs) feeling now? I still really appreciate the film for what it is, like knowing all of this after this episode. I don't know if I could ever watch it the same way again. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I could ever fully engross myself in that movie and sort of, you know, you were talking about films and how you love films that are high fantasy and focus on kind of like world building, right? Right. I don't know if I could ever fully get lost in that again. I think I'd always have something in the back of my mind every time someone came on screen. Like, well, there's the cowardly lion. He said yep. some weird stuff. Well, there's the tin man. The old one was poisoned. But They're all being tortured. Yeah, it definitely puts a different spin on like literally such an innocent piece of media. I used to love this movie growing up. And now I'm like, oh, just oh, period. As we close out the episode, another thing to note about the supposed Wizard of Oz curse is that while people do say it's cursed because a bunch of bad stuff happened on set, what would have ever caused this curse? It's not like the poltergeist, which is said Mm -hmm. to be cursed because the film production was haunted by indigenous spirits. Not that that necessarily backs it up anymore, but there's not even (laughs) that. There's no story. There's no lore. There's There's no no backstory. There's no lore. Just shitty people. Right. Stop 
blaming the dead. Stop telling everybody I'm dead. Stop blaming the dead people for things that people that are alive just did because they're bad. I love that you were the dead defender. (laughs) That's what I'm going to change your contact to in my phone. I've... I've The dead defender. The the is important. Can you actually Photoshop me into the cowardly lion suit? Are we rewriting history? Yeah, I think that it should be me. I think I I want to refilm the entire too. To end the episode, I would like to refilm the entirety of Wizard of Oz, except I play the cowardly lion. (laughs) We want to know what you guys think about this episode. Is the Wizard of Oz cursed, or is this all a happenstance of real human neglect and badness? Let us know all of our social media by using hashtag gruesome twosome. We would love to hear from you. Thank you all so much for listening. We are once again your hosts, Loie and Eleanor, also known as the Gruesome Twosome, and we have loved this deep dive into the world of internet urban legends down the yellow brick road with all of you. You can find all episodes of the podcast, Internet Urban Legends, for free, exclusively on Spotify. Don't forget to follow the podcast so we can continue bringing you a new disturbing mystery each and every week. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Loiebug and at Snitchery and support our show by following at Parcast on Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. Stay gruesome, friends. Internet Urban Legends is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler from Parcast, Slash Management, and Ed Simpson, Fanny Baudry, and Leah Sutherland from Wheelhouse DNA. Sound design by Ron Shapiro with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. It is produced by Jonathan Ratliff, Gemma Waters, John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Chelsea Parker, and is associate produced by Gitu Mehra and Tracy Levy. Research and script writing provided by Jed Bookout. And we're your hosts, Loie Lane and Eleanor Barnes, aka The Gruesome Twosome. <laughs> <laughs>